0: Hi, welcome to Invisibly Ill, a podcast by three 30-something women living in New Zealand who've all been told, but you don't look sick. We hope that sharing stories will make invisibly ill people feel seen. Content may be triggering for people who are still on their health journey. I feel like we've got really heavy and I need to like do a, a joke or something. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you think actually see the real, the real picture?
1: For me, it's a relative. Like, I look back and I say, you know, it's been a year since finishing radiotherapy. Compared to where I was this time last year, I am a hell of a lot further along in the journey. That you know, there's things I can that make me feel like I'm a semi-normal person, you know. Like You've I'm, done two triathlons. Yeah, exactly. And a but,
0: tough mudder type
1: exactly. thing. <laughs> like, I've done so much and I'm, you know, really proud of, of how far I've come with my recovery. But um, at the same time, I feel like people sort of see... I'm all fine now. And I and I sort of find myself minimizing it mm. for people. And I kind of go, I'm not dead yet. So it's all good, you know. <laughs> is that
2: for but their comfort or for your comfort?
1: Both, probably. Whilst people know what cancer is, like, you know, I'm 36. Most people, my age at least, and younger, like, don't have lots of experience with it. Or if they do, it's a parent, a grandparent. Right. It's quite a different experience to... Not many people know someone who's younger who's had a cancer experience. Um, And so, like, you don't fit into a normal box, I suppose, um, in that sense. You know, I've still got side effects I kind of have to deal with on a day to day basis. I'm in chemical menopause, so I've got hot flashes and other menopausal symptoms, which are joyous. And (laughs) look forward to those girls in 20 years. <laughs> you know, that must
0: be another annoying thing though, that there's so much that goes beyond yeah. the fix.
1: It's the it's the stuff that lingers on and it's and you know, there is that acute stage where kind of everybody comes to your rescue a little bit as well. Yeah. It's like Jenny might die, we're gonna help. Like and then actually as I've got more well weller <laughs> <laughs> As I have got better
0: Oh that was such an evil clown laugh <laughs>
1: You know as, as my health has improved and I've kind of become more competent and also but also fallen back onto probably bad habits of mm. relying on myself and not asking for help as much as I should and you know when I was really badly sick I had no choice I was I was so sick that I, I couldn't function without help whereas now it's like actually I probably still would function better with help it's a weird balance, and it's, it's a really tough yeah. little line to navigate.
2: Do you ever find too that like people feel less inclined to help you because they think that you're fine? But I
1: think I think people genuinely think I'm like fine. Jen's all good now, like yeah. she's back to her normal self, and like the back to kind changes, of it? yeah. Um, and it's not that you know, like I do people don't ask me yeah. about has has you cancer, Jen, like very much anymore, like.
2: It like that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. It was like a date you went on.
1: How's cancer <clears throat> going? Or all people I haven't seen, I feel like there's still occasionally someone who hasn't seen me since kind of pre-cancer, and then they're like, mm, you know, how's your health? That I have to like give them like the nutshell version of like, sorry, I had this, blah 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 blah. And you know, this is where I'm at now, and and it's like you just try and speed through it because you're like, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't want to be here for hours. Like, you know, I'm gonna like, yeah. you know, it's like invisible
0: <laughs> illness, with, like speed dating <laughs> on condensed. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I have
1: ten seconds to yeah. tell you the nuts and bolts of it. Oh but God, um, yeah.
0: how would you do it in ten
1: seconds? So I can't, but now I'm better. <laughs> 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 but that's not. But that's it. it, and, that's and that not is it. not the story, is yeah. it? It's not the whole story, but like, yeah. you know, not dead yet. Yeah. There you, you, go. Can't,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't have.
2: No, I'm going to have that song <laughs> on my head. Monty Python. <laughs> no, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like the flip side of it actually is how much of it is do I just want to be seen as normal. Yeah. And some days I do. Yeah. I and I, totally I do just, that. I think there's a bit of a ostrich head in the sand and I just want to pretend that, you know, I don't want to, and some days I, I rebel and I don't massage my boob at night and I just think, fuck it, I can't be bothered. Uh, I'm not going to line my foam roller and stretch out my scar tissue and I'm not going to do my boob massage. And then the next day I'll be like, oh, I should have done it.
0: My whole thing is about my foot yeah. and whether I'm lifting it up. Like it's a whole other level of just even walking around the house. Yeah, I have to think. Every single time I move my foot, I have to lift up my leg a little bit higher so that I don't trip over. Yeah. And that has consumed so much of my time that the brief fleeting moments when I don't think about it, when I've been distracted, because I get distracted by very shiny things and the times when I forget about it, it, it feels like, you were saying earlier, it feels like two steps back. Yeah. It feels like, shit, I can't do this. I'm broken. Mm. Whereas you have that like, moment of being like, everything's fine. Yeah. And then it just it just knocks you back for 10, which is pretty shitty, really. But again, it's that whole recovery is not a
2: linear. Not linear. Line, it's just a big fuck-up candy floss yeah. thing. It? <laughs> it's interesting that you say, because how many people know that you haven't been sleeping? Uh, or that you had your other symptoms aside from your foot and your back? Because that, that is that part many. of the picture.
0: I'm pretty high-functioning, and I think it's only been in the last couple of months that I felt having I think I'm finally coming out of the burnout that was associated Mm. with my last job as well which I think unfortunately has amplified my potential ADHD symptoms in terms of me being very distracted and not being able to focus on one thing and not just uh, distracted very easily from tasks but then the sleep element of that as well has heightened everything so I have been having to tell people at work I'm sorry I'm not sleeping and I haven't been sleeping since I came off the intense amount of painkillers that I was on so it's, it's kind of still in my, my only my immediate team yeah um and then yeah you guys because you know everything
1: but it's, it's interesting how your perception as well though Megan was like that like you that you feel you get angry with other people that you perceive as being
2: I know it's with totally, it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a,
1: and I just wonder how many people yeah. like you know. There's obviously got to be other people that are just super high, super high functioning, and like you know, it isn't they're invisibly ill. But yeah. you know, you know how much of that, you know, there's not anger and resentment here at this table with the three of us because mm. we all understand and yeah. empathize, right? Whereas like, I, th- I feel if people were more open actually would be a real source for yeah um yeah like, for empathy and connection, connection right yeah. in a in an authentic way not in a you know head tilt oh or like uh <laughs> you know yeah um I've sorry. hurt my
0: back but it's not as bad as yours. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or like all these different sort of inauthentic ways but I think if it's genuinely authentic and caring and honest not trying to one up people yeah. then it's with a genuine curious curious but like also respectful so I feel like it's actually being kind of like oh you know tell me about what's that for you you know if you don't want to talk about it that's cool too you know like yeah like respecting that boundary you know if people want to not talk about it well that um, was part of
0: our part of our reason for wanting to do this podcast (coughs) isn't it is not to not to drag people kicking and screaming into the ether of having an invisible illness but actually to be able to form those connections and say to people that they're not on their own yeah and hey like you know people are going having conversations with us who have got shit going on who aren't comfortable about sharing it and we don't know yeah and we're doing the same thing to them that you know people are doing to us and it's just talk if you want to talk
2: yeah we're here, <laughs> and i think that the all of the emotions because like Admitting that I was angry at people for living a normal life was really hard for me because it's not their fault, and I'm very aware that there's yeah. no, they've, not, they've done nothing to deserve it, and I wouldn't wish this on anyone, and I don't wish that they were sick or anything like that, and like, but that was like a shameful feeling that I had, but the rage was so real, and I think that being more authentic about those kind of uncomfortable feelings, but acknowledging like, I'm very aware that it's not any of their faults, mm. but like. I'm still allowed to be angry about and frustrated. Like that's not a bad feeling. I and shouldn't it's, be ashamed of that.
1: And it's probably easier to project the anger onto other people yeah. than it is to be angry at yourself, which yeah. is probably the truth of it, right? Yeah. That you're angry at your own body for yeah. absolutely, you know, letting you down or, yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: same. Because I've had symptoms. I've had symptoms getting worse and worse for probably going on. 10, 15 years. It becomes your just, normal. I just never thought it was anything different. I just thought, you know, like people have this. And it wasn't until I, about seven years ago, six years ago, when I was like, oh, wow, I think this might actually be pretty bad because I just, it, yeah, there was no, like, nobody was like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be having heartburn four days a week, five days a week, seven days a week, you know, etc You shouldn't be vomiting. And I wish that I would known earlier in my 20s about advocating for myself as well because Mm. that's another piece that I'm sure we'll get into Mm. at some point about advocating for yourself when you go see medical professionals and being like, this is really serious and this is not something that you get to brush off Um, and, you know, getting a second opinion if you need it Mm. and things like that. Which I'm sure that's a whole nother episode. Mm. But I think that that's something that I wish I would have done when I was younger. Is be a little bit more of an advocate for like how severe it was. And not being like, oh no, it's fine. It's nothing. Sometimes though you can't, you don't realise you're
0: ill until you start to feel better. Because this, mm. this is a random hark back to 15 year old Laura. Pre-back Laura. Holy moly. um But I became critically anemic. And it was just after I started my period. But my body just... Uh, couldn't store iron or something like that mm. and so i was just get, i was just tired and i was lethargic and i was not really in the mood for school which is for every teenager um and it wasn't until i got up in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom and passed out on the floor and my mum called the ambulance um and they were like oh yeah no she might be a bit anemic go and get her a blood test in the morning and blah 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 um and then i was like it was a like critical critical anemic Laura level mm. um, not a Laura, anemic Laura level critical <laughs> anemic <laughs> just, just, critical. just general, <laughs> Um but I wouldn't if you'd asked me before that how I felt I would have said I felt fine yeah Um. I just thought oh I had, yeah, I've got my period now everything's rubbish which yeah to be fair is accurate Um. and it was only when I started I went to the doctors and they started giving me the iron tablets that actually when you start to feel better you realise that you've been sick Yeah. Mm. so sometimes yeah. that's another problem that we have to face is that you get used to I think you were saying like your new normal functioning yeah. on a,
1: at, at such a low level of, yeah. Yeah. of well You
0: know, some things are just we're ageing and our bodies are yeah. essentially after you get to is it 22 or 25 or something your body starts dying which I realise is a really <laughs> depressing really depressing subject on that note there we go <laughs> <laughs> happy evening everyone
1: One of the questions that I got asked by by, by one of my many therapists. Yay, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, therapy! Oh, yay. I know. Woo-hoo. Um, was for, for real. Was we all love therapy? No, oh, no, I yeah, I do, and advocate. I've I have had tried. I've tried a few. <laughs> <We> <laughs> As do. you do, <laughs> but um, yeah. It was if you could go back and change it and erase cancer from your life, would you?
2: Mm.
1: And. My answer, which sort of surprised me, was actually no. And as much as it was horrible, and it was I can't emphasize how horrible it was. (laughs) It was horrible (laughs) to go through treatment and all the mental health side of things as well, like having to face your own mortality and all of that. It was just horrendous. But the like the personal growth, like I feel like I've finally woken up to my own self care. And gone, no, you like that talking about what level of normal you'll accept. And even though I get it wrong and progress isn't linear, I stuff up all the time. But I'm just not willing to accept the dregs for myself anymore. And I feel like (laughs) it's shit that it's taken cancer to teach me that. But yeah. I want the lesson, but I don't want. I don't want the suffering. But I feel like that's you know. A
0: really, that's a really interesting question. But I know yeah. if you could have
1: like you think you think you're a, you've got you've bonded with your new boyfriend Laura over your joint bad backs, <laughs> you know, would would you change it if you could?
0: I I don't think I'd be as funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If you guys are better people than me, I would 100% never have this. I don't care about the suffering and the self-growth and all that shit. Nah. I would be like, nope, I'm going to tap out of those things. You guys are better people than me. That was Neil's
1: view oh, too. He was 100% erasing the cancer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't answered properly The thing is, mine was, mine
0: was so long ago. And I think it's, it's, again, it's the slight difference. Well, not the slight. The, the difference between acute and chronic. I don't know much different. Like, I was 17. Yeah. I knew fuck all at 17. I was such a weirdo. I knew nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I knew fuck all. <laughs> um, and to have. And, and that was two years after the anemia thing, which felt like a big thing at the time because I, was, I didn't know what it was. And then yeah. I had to have pills and, and I got better and I was like, oh, cool, I'm better. And then suddenly my back went. So I haven't really. I would definitely like to. Erase
1: a lot of the pain. Yeah, I'm with you with erasing pain and suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not, I'm not a total sadist. I I guarantee you. Mother Teresa over here, like
2: it was a lesson, and I'm glad (laughs) that I had cancer because it made me a better person. Me and Laura, like, absolutely not. I (laughs) I would trade that any day. My
1: biggest fear with it was actually getting I was more scared of having to do chemo again than I was of dying because dying would have meant the pain stopping Mm. Mm. and it would have been shit that I would have I was more upset for missing out on my
0: Life.
1: life yeah and seeing my son grow up and all of that and having to think about do I want to write him letters and stuff for every birthday that I'll miss and all of all of that side of things. But um but the chemo for me felt like being the living dead. Mm. Like I had no not not no quality of life, but a, it, it ate away at my quality of life by like a death by a thousand cuts. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't instant, you know, it was cumulative over the course of it. And I just thought by the end of the end of the round of, you know, the six treatments of chemo that I had, I was just thinking I've got, I'm I'm tapped out. I've got nothing left in the tank to give, yeah. you know, and if I had to do another round of it, I was just not that I'd want to do it now, but I feel like at least my tank's topped up. Yeah. yeah. Whereas to have the the thought of like, or oh, if that one hasn't, and also I guess it's that if it hasn't worked and I've now got to try another one, like that's not a good spot to be in anyway. No. And then like your prognosis is obviously a lot worse and, and all the rest of it. So there's all that side of things on top of the fact that I was just like, I just feel like my tank is. Yeah empty you know um
0: do you remember when you took me to the surgeons when it messed up again Mm. and he basically said oh acc won't cover this um but you do really need the surgery you have a really significant disc herniation but it's not going to be covered you have to do another application and i remember going out i remember bursting into tears in the room Mm. being inconsolable while we tried to leave the building sitting in the car with you and i this is bearing in mind you were going through cancer treatment at the mm. same time, so what an arsehole I felt. <laughs> but I was like, I don't think I can do it again. Like I can't, I can't do, I can't get better again. Yeah. In terms of the level of pain that I was in and mm. the level of pain that I had been in, mm. I genuinely was like, I don't think I can. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. do physio. I can I no. know. I, 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 now I know that I could do physio and I can do the things to make it work. But I genuinely, at that point, I felt so low and I had n- uh, nothing in my tank. Yeah. And he'd said you can't I can't help you. And I was like I remember saying to you, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Like to my friend who has fucking <laughs> oh, no. but, but like no. and I remember you saying Well you yeah. need to because I need you and you need me and we're yeah. just gonna we're just gonna keep doing it. And I just first uh, of all, felt like a massive arsehole. Not an unknown <laughs> Trauma competition <laughs> Well it's not an unknown position for me to be like an arsehole. But um <laughs> I remember sitting. I dragged. We were in the new world car car park when you were going to go and get all my drugs (laughs) because I couldn't walk. And I was like, I don't think I can do it again. And I remember you bringing me back from that whilst you were going through all of your stuff because it's. I think you do. You run out, and as you say now, if you in with the benefit of hindsight and all of the things you've learned, all of the, you know, where you've come from. But I remember being in a very similar position. Mm. That I just, I, I couldn't do it again. Mm. And I can't now, I've definitely blocked out a lot of stuff. Like even when we were talking earlier, i just just bypassed loads of stuff. Yeah. Because I can't imagine being back there.
1: Uh, yeah, how, how low yeah. you get. How low you get. But
0: yeah. I'm like, screamingly aware with how the latest surgery went, that this could happen again and again and again and again. Either to the discs that are currently fine, <laughs> <laughs> or to the ones that new ones are less stable. Like, yeah. And that, I think, hopefully this podcast will help with that. But and I won't get back to that stage. But it's like brutally aware that you can get low and you can't see a way out. And you are you sometimes need your friend who's got cancer to say, "Fucking strap on a pair." <laughs> Perspective check over here. <laughs> but it's it's a again this is a way that I'm connected with what you yeah. yeah, because yeah. I don't have any, I, apart from being one of your best friends, I don't have any comprehension of what chemo was like. But I do know that I didn't want to have to try again with yeah. my thing. And so, yeah, it's just... And that oof.
1: fear of relapse, I think, is real, whether it's a, uh, not again with the really, really shit stuff, like when you know it's so bad and you just like, as you say, you know that the tank is empty and and that like I don't know like you've only got a quarter of a tank and you know it's going to take half a tank to get through yeah. to get through what you need to get through like because you've done it before And mm-hmm. your brain's going but I know what that takes and I don't have that and then there's all the you know the little cumulative stuff that we've been talking about where it's just the it's not that you don't have anything in the tank but more just that you're just
2: Exhausted. you're fed up yeah. you, you just
1: had enough and like but there's you know they're exhausting in different ways.
2: Yeah. Well, I had the relapse, so I had the surgery. Me too, bro. Yeah, isn't mm. that I had great? the surgery. I don't
1: want to join this club, girl. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you don't want <laughs> to join the club. The club I, is closed. The fear yeah. of relapse is
1: bad enough. I yeah. don't want to. Don't want to go into the <laughs> actual should, territory. <laughs> and
2: I remember cool. when I started relapsing again, and I just was like, didn't know what to do because it was like I had lost all this weight, and then COVID happened and so I could feel the symptoms start creeping back up and I was like oh no something's wrong and it was starting to freak me out because like this is going to sound like the weirdest thing ever but I don't own a recliner and when it was really bad I would sleep in a recliner because I had to sleep sitting up and I had like I had this really weird panic attack one night about the fact that I didn't own a recliner and if I needed to buy one I didn't know where I was gonna put it but it was like (laughs) the weirdest thing to think about like why am I having a panic attack about a recliner and where am' I gonna put it in the house so I can sleep like an old man who's fallen asleep <laughs> watching TV and um, I remember as it got worse and worse and worse I was like I just didn't know what to do because it's it didn't feel bad enough. You know, because, like, it wasn't cancer or, like, I still could walk, you know. Like, and so you get to the point where, like, yeah, I'm vomiting every night, but, like, I can still function during but the day. But that's that whole piece we are talking yeah, about of exactly. those those crumbs that you got used yeah. to living on. Yeah. Like, you know. And when I was going through the relapse, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. Because I was, like, I, at that point, was still single. And my now partner and me had just started dating, And I just didn't know what to do. And it freaked me out. And I had panic attacks all the time about, like, where I was, when I was going to get sick, when I started to feel sick, because I was around all brand new people and I was like you i didn't want to be megan with you know that vomits of her food <laughs> you know megan like Megan with the vomits and laura with the bad back yeah and, Jim and, the and so yeah and so it was really terrifying to come back to that and it's been really frustrating because it took them like a year to be like oh yeah you have the same thing you did last time even though i came to them with the exact same symptoms and they that's not the first thing that they checked yeah but um yeah the fear of relapse is super real and when i was vomiting every single night
1: live podcasting girls <laughs> when That's i was making yeah um
2: when i was vomiting every single day and feeling nauseous every single day i remember sitting next to the toilet and i just was hysterically crying and i was like i cannot do this again and i like couldn't catch my breath and it was making the vomiting worse and i was just like crying mm. and vomiting and i i was like i can't live like this this cannot be my forever this is not living is no what i used to think to myself I was yeah. like, I'm not living. exactly right and you do feel like that your tank starts to slowly empty because you're like oh i've been through this i can make it again and then you get to the point where you're like i don't think i can make it again and i definitely got to that point where i was like i don't like i don't want to do this again this was horrible the mm. first time but you're like, oh, I guess, gotta keep trekking on, and you know, you have that whole drive for life thing in you. But it is really scary thinking about relapsing. <laughs>
1: um, at that stage, I think there's some <laughs> survival instinct. You hope,
0: I don't yeah, know. I guess you survive, you don't thrive, isn't it? That whole thing. You Honestly, survive, not I think
2: that for me, when my personal story it was like, I could never do that to my mother. Like, I have to be around for my mom because, like, we're all we have left in this world. We've had, you know, family – a lot of ma- family members pass away. And that was always my – like, in my head, that was like, no, no, no. You're going to have to deal with this because, like, you have to live – outlive your mother. Like, she's been through enough stuff in her life. And that was honestly the only reason that I made it through those moments because I just thought – because I don't have many kids. And, like, this was early days with Holly – and who's my now partner for anybody that's listening fiance fiance um but yeah it's terrifying it's so terrifying mm. because then you get to a point where you're you just feel hopeless like the hopelessness is the worst yeah. part of it because you don't want to you don't want to be that person i'm not that person in my normal life i'm quite like chipper mm. and happy and you know like i appreciate life and you know all that fun you know romantic comedy bs that they teach you about the things that you should enjoy and stop to smell the roses and so when you get like that it almost feels like an out-of-body experience like you're not the person that you think you are yeah when you're in those moments relapse is terrifying mm. because yeah. you're just like what are they going to tell me that they can't do the surgery again which is exactly what they've told me mm. in my case you know? it
0: was like what are they going to tell me that i've
2: done what i exactly <laughs> think i've done But I, I don't want to hear that Yeah, my suffering was bad, and it's not a competition. But like, I don't think I contemplated death like you would have had to, mm. as somebody who was going through cancer, because like, it's so publicized that that's yeah, yeah. like the that's people's immediate thought. Yeah,
1: although I I I wrote my will like two you weeks
0: after. I got sent a thing saying like. Please
1: be the. Can <laughs> we be my executor? Or <laughs> my, you're my executor. That's fine. On oh oh my, my will, thanks, Laura. Christ, Jen, where's the positivity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wait. I didn't. Uh, at least I wasn't having the. Oh no, I was having some conversations about. Yes, so who sir. do I want to look after my son if I'm dead? Yeah. Um, sure. Which is that's a pretty that's pretty it. difficult place to to have. Ever the accountant. I just <laughs> want to be organised. You know, <laughs> like it's let's sort out you know, some death admin. Death admin. Admin. <laughs> admin. <laughs> death admin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I remember, I remember going to like a work event, and there was someone I hadn't seen in a while, and she sort of said to me, "Oh, how do you, how do you not go there?" And uh, the answer, well, at least from my experience, I don't know anyone else's, but like, I think the answer is you do go there. Yeah, <laughs> like you, I don't, I don't know anyone that I've spoken to that's been told you've got cancer that doesn't think I'm gonna die. Yeah, like even if. The doctors are saying, "No, no, we've got a plan, and you're fine," but that you don't ever go there. Like, I just, I just don't believe that it's possible not yeah. to, with the kind of the way that cancer's publicized in mm-hmm. our society. Like, yeah. for me, that yeah, the hardest bit was was having to to think of all the things I'd missed with my son. That was that was the thing that really was like, even on the days where when I sort of I th- weirdly kind of when i was going through the treatment i couldn't th- think that far ahead i wouldn't allow myself to imagine living beyond christmas because i couldn't dare to hope to yeah. live i didn't want to imagine a life that i wouldn't have mm. um i kind of i was going to see my family at christmas and I, I was i'm by pure stubbornness alone, I'm making it to Christmas. Um, if, but the it was only when I started to sort of get through the treatment, really, then the all the fear of relapse kicks in and all the anxiety attacks. And I, like, I've like i not been someone that's pre-cancer gen, was not a particularly anxious person. Um, so for me, the anxiety attacks were a completely new experience. Um, literally one time when I was doing midwinter Christmas and I was, my husband um, wanted to bake some cookies and I need to put the turkey in the oven. So that was that was stressful. a cause. <laughs> and then he wanted to put the garlands up. And all this compounded <laughs> to equal a stressed out Jen. <laughs> um, I, I
0: got a text saying, are you what time are you coming around? Um, can you come around and be really, really happy about Christmas?
1: Like, <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, I was stressed out. And then I went from being like stressed out by all these little pressures that I suddenly felt so overwhelmed and then it ended up being like oh and I can't cope you, you know this is just not working spiral down to kind of thinking that like life's just I'm such a burden. I'm such a useless person. I'm so broken that like the world's I'm just I'm just a burden. Like why am I here? Like you know, I'm not I don't add anything to anybody's life. I'm pointless. Yay, and like burden talk. <laughs> Yay, but pleasure. like it is like that downward spiral to yeah. uh, to start from turkey dinner and cookies <laughs> <laughs> to I'm a burden and I don't like You know, I just, everybody would be better, like, everyone's life would be easier and better if I wasn't here. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. I know, exactly.
2: (laughs) I think that's part of our social, like, upbringing, though, is, like, any sort of, I don't know about you guys, obviously, I grew up in America, um, but, like, I feel like it's very similar in the sense that, like, you have to be strong all the time and you don't want to be a burden on people and that's very much bred into you from a young age in the sense of like you can't be too sick to inconvenient people or you know, things like that. And I think that that's just part of our societal, you know, if you're too sick or whatever, we've programmed you that you're a burden.
1: You know, that's a society, like, we get praised a lot for what we do, not who we yeah. are. And and that's that's compounded in lots of areas of our lives, right? Like and if that's if you're always praised for what you do when you can't do what you did anymore, like... Then what's left. Then what's left. For me, one of the things that's been a real challenge is, because I am in chemical menopause and I didn't wasn't able to freeze my eggs pre-starting um, chemo, is that I probably can't have another child. It, it's not impossible, but it's... Unlikely. Yeah. there's it's it's, it's it's there's some risks. There's also I don't know if I have any eggs I don't know if I have any eggs left. They've tried to give me some stuff to preserve them, but um yeah, it's certainly not straightforward at any rate. Um and the that was such a massive blow for me. Yeah. Um and I think it comes down to an identity thing and even a piece around that sort of burden of like, well, you know, do i'm now i'm i'm sick i'm barren i'm bar like yeah i'm a barren woman who's sick who's gonna have to manage side effects the rest of my life you know that like why would you want to be with me kind of thing you know you go down to that sort of that level of you know what do i add to your life which is it it's really i don't know it's pretty bleak but yeah <laughs> you know it's It's really, like, it's a mental, that's, I mean, the mental health side of, yeah of this illness is fucking hard.
2: Yeah. And I think that you have to also mourn the person that you thought you were going to be. When you thought you were going to be a healthy person. Like, that's been the biggest, like, hurdle for me with this relapse specifically. Because pre-COVID, I was working out a few times a week. I was doing pole dancing Mm. and, like, but I can't do intense workouts now. Mm. I just can't. It just is impossible with the thing that I've got. And I had to mourn, like, doesn't make me a bad person. It's not mm. that I'm lazy. It's just like, these are the parameters that I have to work within. And you have to kind of mourn that person that oh, you thought right. you were going to be and that you were like, oh, you know, I'm going to accomplish all these things. Mm. But it does take away some of those things. Yeah. You know?
1: But it's like layers of grief, isn't it? And, yeah. like, and it's grieving different things in different time. And, and yeah. That that's, yeah, that, that doesn't happen in kind of one instant.
0: I remember something that you said when you were about to start but it was before you started chemo uh, before you started treatment and you were having you were having discussions of do I want to delay starting chemo and mm-hmm. freeze my eggs mm-hmm. or do I want to start chemo immediately because this cancer is really fucking aggressive and I remember being involved in a conversation well I might have just been listening but I was it was a conversation where you were thinking do I want to the to risk my future for the potential yeah. of a child yeah or do I want to be here for the child that I've got yeah and there was a real and I, I can't I can't imagine that,
2: that would be a hard conversation whole, to have I can't imagine that whole yeah
0: discussion in your you know the, the, yeah. the back and forth in your brain for that is because I'm not planning on having children which also makes me feel like a dick <laughs> <laughs> um but I remember that being a real thing for you in one of the main things that came out of it, obviously, because you're here is that you need to be here for Ethan. Yeah. You you need to be here in order to be a mother anyway. Yeah. So that's, you have to be the priority. And I think that was a real shift for you in terms of putting yourself first. Yeah. And not just in the terms of the self-care that you've developed since, but actually you, you need to be here. Yeah. Without you, you know, there is no future. Yeah. It has to be you first. And I remember thinking, holy fuck, she's having these types of discussions. She's having to have these, yeah. Just before
2: Christmas. Oh, just and just in the mix mental. of all of the trauma that oh, we were going through. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, about like it dying. Was little, it and I had like much. a day to choose. Yeah, so, a, so much. Oh, no, they did
1: give me longer in the end, but I thought I had a day. And then they said you can have the weekend to think about it. But I had a day to choose whether it was chemo first or surgery first. And because all because all the fertility clinics shut down in New Zealand over Christmas.
0: Because everything shut down in New Zealand over Christmas. <laughs> there
1: was no option. And I was incredibly angry about, I said, with a very calm voice, I was incredibly angry <laughs> <laughs> about people going, I was like, the women are going to have their bloody turkey dinner and I might not be able to have another child. And like, and that just feels unfair. And I know life is unfair. Um, and there's lots of people that, you know, I've never, you know, I have got a beautiful boy and there's lots of other people that maybe don't get a chance to do fertility treatment and have never had a child and wanted to and all of that side of things as well so like a, you know I'm not, I know there's other people in, in tough situations as well Um but yeah I remember feeling the day that I was having chemo infusion and it was going into my body I was like I'm killing all my future babies Um I'm murdering them mm. and that's how I felt at the time Um
0: and that's on top of everything else and i'm doing
1: it to try and save my life yeah you know um it shouldn't it shouldn't be and and that's you should never have had to choose yeah you
2: should never have have had to choose that and that's that's one of those things where you just i can't imagine being in the midst of that and then having to contemplate like like that's yeah massive and i think that nobody should have to face that because the system should be better yeah, for that, yeah, it should be, yeah. just, it should it be better. It, shouldn't it should be better for Christmas. No, nah. like that. Not in. Not if that's
0: what your fucking specialty is, yeah. and that's what you That's that's just it's completely it's unacceptable to me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've got really heavy, and I need to like do a, a joke or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't think of any apart from my really rude one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should up. probably end soon. <laughs> so, I really hope this has been um, interesting. <laughs> we did go we did go quite dark but um i think if we haven't said it before this is a space for crying and laughing and fart jokes and sick jokes (laughs) um
2: so yeah um keeping it real Yeah. (laughs) yeah i mean this is what this is for right so that people could identify those feelings and be like oh i'm not alone i actually am going through the exact same experience